series uh, for the last several weeks on the book of Galatians. Uh, it has been a lot of feedback from people, especially over this past week, uh, how much they're enjoying and loving this series. And uh, for those of you who are new among us, here's kind of what we do at Crossroads. Sometimes we'll take a person in the Bible and we'll just study them. And uh, we're going to do that with somebody this, this fall. We'll be uh, taking a look at one of the prophets of the Old Testament and just looking into their life for several weeks. But sometimes what we do is we just take a topic and we look at what the Bible says about that topic in different places. And this month and into September, uh, we are looking into the book of Galatians and just going chapter by chapter what does the book of Galatians say? And so if you haven't been with us, the good news is, is that you can join those who, who are joining us today by listening through podcasts, but you can go back and listen to the podcasts of the previous weeks. On the first week, we learned what this book, it's called, it's actually a letter that Paul wrote. Many of the New Testament uh, scriptures are letters that were written to a person or to a church. In this case, it's a church. And it's a church that Paul planted in Galatia, which that part of the ancient world is modern-day Turkey. And so he's writing this letter, and here's why he's writing the letter. He tells us. It's because he came up there, told them about Jesus, the people got excited about Jesus, that he's risen from the dead, accepted him as Lord and Savior of their lives, and then some Jewish people came in behind Paul and said, oh yeah, that, that Jesus, that's, that's good, but you need Jesus plus a surgery, okay, to really complete this. And uh, so it kind of messed up the men's ministry there, if you know what I'm talking about, in uh, that part of the world. And people were like, oh, wow, we got to do this and all. And Paul writes this letter to correct some things and to say, no, 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 no. It's not Jesus plus. It's not Jesus and you got to go to church every week. Jesus and you got to read the Bible through every year. Jesus and you got to do this or that or the other. No, no, it's not Jesus and anything. It's just Jesus. How many are glad today that it's not Jesus and something else? You got to just kind of, you know, and according to who it is, they may have a longer list than some other people do. And, and so Paul came along and he says, no, why, why are you getting messed up in this? I, that's not what I told you. That's not what I taught you. That's not the real gospel. And, and so we learned the first week that there's two choices on the gospel. But then Paul comes back. In the second week, we learned how you've got to live dead. If you're going to be a good Bible-believing Christian, you've got to live dead. And so you live dead to things and, and alive in him. And so that was a powerful week on how to be free of things that want to trap you. And then the last week, last week, uh, we, we talked about grace. 
and how awesome grace is. How many are thankful for grace? That is amazing grace, right? It, it's amazing uh, that God would have such grace for us. And today, we're going to continue in this grace relationship because there, there aren't really chapter divisions in the original writings, but I, I'm thankful for them. Uh, somebody came along later and put chapters and verses, and, and that helps me find it. That helps me locate where it is. So I'm thankful for those, but where they put chapter 4 is really breaking up a thought that he already began in chapter 3, and we'll see that in a moment. And, and really the question that Paul centers on as we move into chapter 4 is this, are you a slave or a son? Which one are you? In other words, how do you perceive yourself? And not just how you perceive yourself, how do you perceive God perceives you? And for some of you, I think this could be an eye-opener today. I, I think this could revolutionize your relationship with God. Because really what God is after in our lives is a relationship. It is all based on relationships. So let's pick it up in Galatians chapter 3. Here's what Paul says. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You're all sons. You're all related to him through faith. If you've become a Christian, if you've accepted him, as you, as you have faith in him, you become a son of God. Now, ladies... All right, you, you may be thinking, hey, what's up with this? Uh, son. Well, let me just help you out. In fairness to you, let me let you know what he calls all of us that us guys have to deal with, and that is the bride of Christ, all right? The Bible talks about us being the bride of Christ. So, so the kind of fair treatment here uh, from the scripture, but really uh, the, the language is that we've come into a spiritual relationship with God. We're, we're no longer outcasts, we're no longer slaves, we're free, and we're more than that, we're actually sons. He goes on with this thought in Galatians chapter 4, it says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. Let me just stop here. And, and for those of you who are still in waiting mode, waiting on God to answer prayer, waiting on God to do something in your life that you've been believing for for a long, long time, there were people who were waiting on Jesus for a long, long, long time. You ever felt like God was late? He's not on time because, God, you should have been here last week. But I'll take today. All right, how many are with me on that, right? You be honest enough. Yeah, and, and, but that's, it says, but he was right on time. Jesus was born right on time, and he was born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you, you have to get adopted into God's family because we're born into sin. We, we don't have to have sin classes, do we? You have to teach kids to be possessive, mine, you know. You, you don't have to teach that, be deceptive or whatever. No, you don't have to teach that. It just comes natural, right? 
And, and so the Bible says we're born in sin. So we have to get adopted into sonship. But the good news is we can receive that adoption. And some of you can receive it today. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, we'll come back to that. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir as well. And so we're heirs to God. We're, we're, we're not, and, and this concept was so foreign to them. Because many people in that day would say, oh, you can't even write the name of God down on paper. Or you can't speak his name. He's too holy. You, you can't even speak out his name. And, and so they would leave letters out of the name of God because he was just so holy and, and we're unholy. And so therefore, we just can't even write the whole name. And, and Jesus came along and started calling God Father, and Paul follows in that same vein and, and says, no, 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 God's not somewhere, some place far off, that, that we're separated from him, and, and he's so far away, no, he's right here. He's up close and personal, how many know that? He's right here with us, and and we can call him Father. We we have this relationship with him. And so I want to show you today a comparison of how you see yourself and how you see God seeing you and what a difference that makes in your relationship with him. First of all, let's start out with a few phrases. The first one is, is you're not a slave because a slave has a master and a son has a father, right? That's the difference. And so the slave may have a demanding master, you know, a driving master, an impatient master. And, and I was looking this week, and someone actually after first service was telling me, hey, I, I studied about that too. On Google, I, I, I remembered there was a, a church where people went and they crawled on their knees and it was Guadalupe and what they did and what they do is they try to please God by crawling on their knees to church and and some of them they'll be bloodied by the time they get there hoping that somehow God you'll you'll see the pain I'm going through for you somehow God you'll accept me if I hurt enough If I pay for my sin enough, because I know I'm unworthy, and so I'm going to crawl on my knees so somehow you'll accept me. And and often, many of them come in with bloodied knees. And and here's the thinking of this is, you know, somehow, some way that, that I'll appease him. Let me tell you something. There's nothing you can do on your own to pay for your own sin. Otherwise, Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. See, the son-father relationship is so different, and Jesus modeled it. He says, you know, when you pray, you ought to pray like this. Just say, Father. And they're like, whoa, we can do that? Oh, yeah, because you hear me do it. Father, 
I know you hear me when I pray, but I'm doing this so they'll hear me. And then after he was teaching about that father relationship, there was an occasion, maybe you've seen this, where all these kids come up to Jesus and are like hanging all over Jesus, which lets me know what kind of guy Jesus was. Because if Jesus was like, what? What are you doing? What's up with you? What? You're loud. The kids wouldn't have been crawling all over him, would they? So he must have been smiling. He must have been a happy guy. I don't know. Maybe even had some candy in his pockets. I don't know. But uh, he, he just was a, an, a kid magnet, right? Just a kid magnet. And here's what happened is the disciples said, these kids, we got to get them out of here. We've we, we got to get them away. And, and Jesus said, no, no, no. What you need to do is you need to act like one of them. That's what you need to do. You need to crawl up in my lap, so to speak. You need to crawl up in your heavenly Father's lap. You need to get close to him. You need to come hang on him because that's how he wants you to live. Look at Romans chapter 8. It talks about this. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption, there it is again, to sonship, and by him we cry, and here's this word again, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This is an Aramaic word, and it's a word like a, a term of endearment is what it's like. And so it's like saying dad to God, dad, father. And his spirit testifies with our spirit that we're able to do that. And I don't know about you, but there's something that came alive in me when I became a follower of Jesus Christ. There's something that happened on the inside of me. I trust it happened to you where there was something that took up residence. There was something that came into my life. There was something that came alive in me that identified me as his, right? And, and he says, Paul says, you know, that spirit that's in you, it longs for God. It, it cries out for him. It, it wants to reach out to him. So let me ask you today, how do you address God? How, how do you come to him? You know, do you say, God, or oh, gracious Father in the highest heavens, great almighty or do you say, God, Father, Heavenly Father, I, I know that I'm your son. I know that I'm your child. I know, you know, you know, that relationship with him. See, you can tell how close people are by what they call people, right? Some of you, maybe you get called pop, but it's only a small group of people, maybe only one. That calls you that. And other people call you by different. I get called a lot of different things. I get called pastor. I get called by some people here, Pastor Craig. I get called by some people here, Craig. I get called by some people, PC. (laughs) 
And you know what? I answered all of them. Because I just like to be called. I, I just want, want people calling me. I, I just want to know that I'm known. And, and so that's the way with God is God just wants us to call him. He wants us to come to him. And Paul says, you know, you long to do that. You long for a father relationship with God. You long for that. There's something that came alive in you when you became a follower that you want that in your life. How many know that, right? You want it in your life. Now, here's what else a slave does. A slave is like an employee, but a son is an heir. Have you ever gone to a restaurant where you knew the hostess, or maybe your server, that uh, it was just a job. Anybody ever have that experience? People in the first service about shouted me down on that. I, just, I don't know what. There's some history there. I don't know. But I've had that where, where it's like, you know, you're an inconvenience to me. I'm about to get off work. And you are wanting a lot. I don't know what you think my purpose is here, but just really taxing me right now. And, and, and that's different, isn't it? Because, see, when you look at yourself as an employee then you, maybe you don't have as much invested. You don't, you don't have as much ownership. But see, that's not the way it works with the relationship with God. See, see what Paul says is when, when you came into relationship with God, you got in on the family business. You got in on the family business. And how many of you know that people love to hire family, right? A lot of times people will hire family. And the reason why is because I know you. And I know you'll own this like I own it. And, and so it'll be different. See, I know how it is even in church. When you become a part of this church family, sometimes that happens because people go through on-ramp, which is our, like our membership class. You learn about the church, and over the next two weeks, there'll be on-ramp class. So I talked to somebody after first service. They said, I'm going next week. We're going to join the church, we've been here for a few years now. We think it's about time for us to join. I said, well, welcome. But, but here's the thing that I love about it is when people move from, hey, I go to your church to, hey, I love our church, right? That, that's different. That's different. Because when it's your church, you'll pick paper up off the floor too, when, when it's your church and you see somebody that's new and they're standing by themselves, you won't allow that. You'll say, ah, oh, no, not, not my church. No, I, I've got to go over and talk to that person. I, I need to go show God's love to that person. I don't know what they're doing over there standing by themselves, but we just can't stand for that. See, you, you'll own it. You'll come into ownership. See, God wants our heart, not just the exterior. Jesus talked so much about having our hearts for him. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 17. 
it says now for children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. God wants to bless your life. He does. He wants to bless you. And, And not just bless you so that you can be blessed, but so you can be a blessing to other people. And so God pours out his goodness in your life so that you can show his goodness to other people. So you can demonstrate what kind of God he really is because so many people have a false perception of who God is. And so Paul talks over and over in here, hey, hey, hey this is how God is. This is who he is. And so you don't, you don't earn his favor. You don't have to work your way up to him and hope that somehow if I crawl enough or if I serve enough or if I give enough or I read the Bible enough, then he'll accept me. Paul says, no, 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 no. Now, that's not how you get to him. What happens is if when you get to him, you'll want to do those things. When you get to him, it'll light you up. All of a sudden, the things you didn't want to do, you will want to do. And things you wanted to do, you won't want to do anymore. How many can testify to that, right? He's changed your life because God is that kind of God. He works in us. Look at Philippians chapter 2. It explains it this way. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, but don't, don't work hard to get to God. Here, here he explains this. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you. In other words, you can't even take credit for you working for God. It's God working in you that's doing those things. See, you you can't walk off the platform and say, oh, I did good up there. No, God did good up there, all right? God worked in your life. He's working in you, giving you the desire, and I love this, he gives you also the power to do what pleases him. In other words, you don't get your act together, and then I'll come to church. You know, I'll get, I got some things I got to work on, and I'll get, you know, so I can go before God, and I'll, no, you don't do that, friend. No, you come to God first, and he'll work on those things. He'll help you with that. He gives you the power to be able to do what he has called you to do. So if I can just lead you into a relationship with God, here's what I know. Not not joining this church, not not even attending here every week necessarily. But here's, here's my big point today, is if I can get you to come into relationship with God, He'll do in you what he's done in me. He'll do in you what he's done for so many others. Because he's no respecter of persons. If you'll come to him, he will in no wise cast you out, the Bible says. So what he'll do is he'll put his spirit within you. And when his spirit comes inside of you, I'm talking about the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Come on, somebody. When that kind of power, when that kind of power comes in your life, you can't be the same again. You're going to be changed and transformed. Here's the next statement. Is a slave is driven by duty. The son is driven by devotion. 
In other words, you know, you might say or hear people say, well, I've got to read my Bible. Trying to read it through. I'm on a Bible program, signed up for it. That you version thing. Reminding me every day how many days I'm behind. I'm going to get caught up. I got to pray. You know, it's important to pray. And I don't, I, admit I skipped yesterday. Or church got that serve day coming up. Good night. I think everybody's going to be there the way they're talking about it. So if I don't show up, I'm going to look like loser Christian, you know. And, and also I need to be there and do something, you know. No, no, not, that's not what Paul says it should be. He says, when you're a son, you say, Dad, how can I help you out? Dad, what more can I do for you? Dad, is there some way I can show up for you? Dad, is there something I can do more for you? Do you get what I'm saying? When you come into relationship with God, it changes everything. It's your joy to do it. A great illustration of this is in Luke. Uh, He tells us about Mary and Martha. Maybe you've heard the story before. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. How many know somebody's got to do this job? And so she came to him and asked, maybe she'd already come to her sister, and she didn't do what she wanted, so I'll just go to Jesus. Get Jesus talking to her, straightening her out. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me? She just flat out left me. I'm in the kitchen working, and she... And here she is at your feet to do the work by myself. Now, you tell her, Jesus, to help me. You tell her. And Jesus, now we don't get voice inflection, okay? And we don't get facial imagery, but I can just imagine, okay, when I read the Bible, I do this. I just think he smirked, shook his head. Martha, Martha, what are we going to do with you? (laughs) You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one, and Mary has chosen what is better. Here's the thing, here's the point. Two women coming to Jesus, one of them, I've got to work, I've got to earn You know, I I want his approval. I've got to do all these things, and then maybe he'll be pleased with me. Maybe somehow I'll earn his favor in my life. And and, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to do good things, but when you're doing good things, to try to get God to do good things for you. Hey, did you notice, God, I I showed up today. Now you've got to do a healing this week. God, I'm going to read my Bible this week, so I'm expecting this interview to go really well. God, I'm I'm going to join a ministry. I'll I'll flat out join one of those stinking life groups, you know, he keeps talking about. And I'll I'll sign up. Okay, I'll get in one. And then you answer my prayer. 
Hello? And so Jesus says there's a better way. Everybody say better. There's a better way. And the better way is not to try to earn God's favor. It's not to try to be holy enough. It's not to try to be perfect enough in order for God to love us more or do more for us. They both loved Jesus, but they were coming from two different directions. And there's some people here that you're trying to get God to do something for you when God just wants you to enjoy who he really is. And it's not just a feeling. It's not just a feeling that came over Mary. No. No, no, it wasn't a feeling. Jesus said, she's chosen the better thing. See, you've got to choose the better thing. You, you've got to choose today and, and, and say, you know, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to have my motivation for devotion to God be my duty to him. Instead, I'm going to have it be my delight I am delighted to serve him. I'm delighted to go to church. I'm delighted to read the Bible. Now, how do you get to that point? How how do you come into this love relationship with God, this this relationship that God wants? Galatians chapter 4, Paul addresses it in verses 8 and 9. He says, formerly, when you did not know God. And let me tell you something. There are people here today, probably, people in the first service, you may come to church, and you may have been reared in church, and you may know religion, but you don't know relationship with God. And he's talking about relationship. You did not know God. You didn't know him. It's a it's big difference, big difference. He says, but you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Paul says the key to all of this is knowing God. And let me tell you something. Everyone in here and whoever is not in here, friends, neighbors, coworkers, schoolmates, whoever it is, Everyone, I believe this, everyone has a desire to know God. Now, they may cover it up real well, and they may, you know, do a good job camouflaging their life, but I'm telling you, everyone has a desire, a God-given desire to know Him. We all want to know Him. And so again, what we're doing is we're not inviting people. Yeah, you invite people to crossroads and you say, hey, come to my church and all. But really what we're doing is we're inviting people to know God, to know him, to know who he really is. Because I'm telling you, that's what makes the difference. I love this church. I love everything about this church. I think this is an awesome church. I think this is a house of healing. It's a powerful church. It's an incredible church. But let me tell you something. What makes it incredible is who's here that we're coming to see and worship and come before. It's the living God. That's who it is. It's the living God. And everybody wants to know the living God. So how do we know God? I want to give you three things that you can go to 
to really know God. And if you don't know him, this will help you more than anything today, is you go to God as Father. You go to God as Father. You see him as your Father. In other words, let me ask you a question this way. How do you see him? How do you see God? Because if, if you see God as this God that, oh, Craig's getting out of line. <laughs> Teach him, you know, smack. Oh, yeah. Oh, there she goes again. Look at her. She, she's getting back to that bad habit again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Next. Is that how you see God? If you see God just, just waiting to pounce, just waiting for you to mess up, just waiting for you to do something that's not perfect or whatever, if your view of God is that way, let me tell you something, it will determine your approach to God. In other words, let me say it this way, your revelation of God will determine your relationship with God. How, how you see him, how you perceive him will determine your closeness to him. It, it will determine what you do with him. Look at this verse in Matthew. He says, which of you, Jesus talking to his disciples, if a son has uh, asked for a piece of bread, what father is going to give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, you people who are jacked up, all right, messed up, imperfect, don't get it right, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? See, that, that's, that's the kind of God that we serve. And, and so this God is just like, oh, I just want to bless them. I just want to love on them. I just can't hardly wait. Oh, look, they're waking up. Oh, we're about to talk. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of God who loves us, who cares for us, who wants to bring these things into our lives. And I'm telling you, if you would get that kind of imagery of God, it could revolutionize your relationship with him. It could change everything. Some of you, here's, here's a problem, is you didn't have a good father here. All right? Some of you, you, you don't even know your father. Some of you, uh, you do, and that wasn't a good thing. And, and here's what I don't want you to do, and that's why Jesus said, you know, if even the best of you or the worst of you do some good stuff, your Father in heaven is not like any of y'all, all right? He, he's, he's so much better. So here's what I want to say to somebody who didn't have a father image or you had a poor father image. Do not throw God under the same bus that you've thrown your dad. Because he's not like that. He's not like that. I said he's not like that. He is a loving father. Jesus said, how much more will your heavenly father give to you?
That's the kind of father that we have. And, and so God today, see, the enemy just loves to distort our view of God. He came to Adam and Eve, and he said, what? God doesn't want you to eat that tree? That's crazy. What kind of God does that? God must be holding out on you. You can only eat all these other thousands of trees everywhere. I, I bet what it is, is God knows when you eat that tree, you'll be just like him. That's what it is. God's holding out. You can't trust him. And see that God does the same thing today. And, and so don't you allow the enemy to translate a poor relationship with your earthly father to your heavenly father. Because I'm telling you, your heavenly father is absolutely nuts about you. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. <laughs> All right? That's who he is. Second thing is you go to God through relationship, not rules. You know, probably every house in this place has rules. You know, it's your turn to do this or that or the other. It's always your turn to do this, right? It's always your turn to do the, the uh, gathering of the, the garbage or whatever it is in your fa- family. And our relationship, see, See, you've got to get relationship back into prayer because otherwise it's just a duty. Prayer's a duty. Bible reading's a duty. Serving's a duty. Giving money is a duty. Worshiping is a duty. Showing up for worship. And Jesus talks about this in John chapter 5. Here's what he says real quick. He says, you diligently study the scriptures because you think if I read the scriptures, I'll go to heaven. And he says, these scriptures testify about me hello yeah you refuse to come to me and not have religion but have life if you're reading the bible it ought to show me it ought to reveal me let me tell you something god wants you to read the bible so the bible can read you and help you to get closer to god because you ought to be saying oh my goodness there's jesus oh wow what what an awesome god that i serve how incredible that he is see the goal for jesus what jesus essentially said is is the goal is not to read the bible the goal is to meet the bible and here's the living Bible right in front of you. And, and so I want to reveal who I am to you. And so when you, I'm telling you, if you would get this today, it could revolutionize your life, change everything. Here's the last one, is go all in with God. Go all in with God. I grew up hearing, give your whole heart to God. Give him your whole heart. And, and so go all in. You know, just fall in love with him. Because falling in love with someone means going all in with them, right? I mean, if somebody came to you and they said, oh, babe, I love you. I want us to get engaged. I I want us to get married. Because I am telling you, I am 75% all in with you. (laughs) Honestly, I, I am. How many of you go for that offer? How many of you be worried about that 25%? Where's that? Where's that located? And, and so, just like 
You wouldn't accept that offer. God is not looking for 75%. He's not looking for 50%. He's not looking for 90%. He says, I just want you to get crazy about me because I'm absolutely nuts about you. I'm so crazy about you. Look at this. I'll send my only son down there to die for you so that you can live for me. That's how much I love you. And when you fall in love with God, it'll change everything. Jeremiah in the Old Testament says this. If you'll seek me, you'll find me. When you seek me, what? With help me all your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. When you come to him with all of your heart, let me tell you something, relationship changes everything. You won't see everything God wants to reveal to you until you go all in. See, until you get fully committed. Until you go from, I have to do this, to I want to do this. And, and when you cross that line, when you come over in faith, to that line, I'm telling you, his spirit comes in and begins to do something in you that there's nothing else that compares to that. And here's what I want for you today. I want for you to experience it. I want for you to know God, to really know him, to know him in the power of his resurrected life. And the good news is, you can. You just have to choose it. Just like Mary, you choose the right thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can call you Father, that we are able to come before you today. And Lord, for some of us, we, we just get busy and we get going and other things creep in. And before we know it, it doesn't really look like we're 100% committed. But today, God, we just want you to know that you could take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I don't want anything more than you in my life. And I want other people to experience, not just church, not just religion, not just uh, external things, but I want them to experience the living God. God, I know for that to happen that you want to use me. So God, if you can use anything, use me. Use me, God. I'm all in. I'm 100% all over again. Head over heels all over again for you and who you are. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, oh yeah, I just want God to know all over again. I want him more than anything else in my life. Would you just raise your hand and say yes. And if he can use me at school, and if he can use me at work, and if he can use me with the neighbors, Father in heaven, you see every hand that's raised. And God, I know if you would actually begin to work in us like I know you want to do, it would change everything around us. Because people would know that it's not just going to church. It's not just religion. It's not just dead relationship. It's a living God living on the inside of us. And so, God, help us to get back to basics. Help us to get back to your feet again. Help us to get before you and realize all over again, all I need is Jesus. Some of you are here, and that's what you need. But if you were to be honest, 
It's not anywhere near close to 100% in your life. Maybe it feels like zero. It, It just feels like non-existent. Maybe you walked out of church because one day you thought, well, I just can't ever measure up, and I think God just has something out for me, and I'm just going to get out of here. And maybe today you've seen the true God. You've seen the God who wants us to get closer and closer. And as we do, he begins to reveal more and more and more of himself to us. So if you're here this morning and you say, Craig, I want to cross the line. I I just want to step over. I want God to become active in my life. I want his spirit to come alive in me. I, I want him to begin a process whereby I can really, really know him. I want that to start today. If that's your prayer, would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Yes, I see that hand. See that hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you over here. All right, God bless you. Back here, God bless you. All right, several hands around the room. So Crossroads family, just help everyone pray this, especially those who raised a hand. Let's just lift our voice to God as one and just pray to him. I'm going to give you words and you just take them as yours and pray them to your heavenly father. Dear heavenly father, thank you so much for loving me enough to send a sacrifice for me to pay for my sin. I know I've sinned, but I want to start over. So please wash away my past. Free me of my guilt. Today I accept you as my true Heavenly Father. And as much as I know how, I surrender all to you. Thank you for coming into my life and adopting me as a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody. Let's praise him. Awesome. Awesome. Listen, I'd love for you to take a next step. I'd love for you, if you made a commitment today, to say, you know what? I'm going to keep growing in my relationship with God. So we have a class that's called Starting Point. And you can start in that and start growing in your faith. Or you could go to baptism classes next week. uh, We'll have baptism classes so you can be baptized in September and do like people did today. Just show on the outside what God's done on the inside. So important. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward. I'm going to dismiss in prayer. Let's stand together. But if you're a prayer partner, come on down and help us to pray for those who maybe have needs today. There's just times in your life where you need somebody to pray with you, right? You need somebody to pray for you. Today may be that time for you. So uh, these folks would love to pray for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your power, your presence, what you're doing in our church, what you're doing through the study of Galatians. God, you're freeing us from religion. You're bringing us into relationship with you. You're helping us to see you more clearly. And and we just thank you for all of that. Now, Heavenly Father, draw every person down for prayer that needs prayer. Don't let anyone leave who, who needs prayer. And do miracles. 
this is a house of healing, God, and we thank you for it. We pray that you'll heal, you'll deliver, you'll do supernatural things as we pray. God, use us as well. For those who have to leave, use us this week to make a difference in somebody's life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here. If you need prayer, come on down. Let somebody pray with you, pray for you. Otherwise, have a great week and show Jesus to someone.